Hello, I'm Faith Rogers, host of today's program, COVID-19, Keeping Up with the Moving Target. Thank you for joining us. This activity is jointly provided by the Postgraduate Institute for Medicine, DKB Med, and the Institute for Johns Hopkins Nursing. Today's program is accredited for ANCC, AAPA, and AMAPRA Category 1 credits. Please visit our website for complete CE information. If you're tuning into our webcast, please click the Claim Credit button on the webinar console. Otherwise, please go to covid19.dkbmed.com, navigate to our multi-specialty episodes, and select the webinar to claim credit. Today's learning objective is to discuss new FDA authorization for second booster doses. This educational activity is supported by independent medical educational grants from Gilead Sciences Incorporated, as well as in-kind support from DKB Med. With us today, we have Dr. Paul Awater, the Clinical Director of the Division of Infectious Diseases at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. Dr. Awater, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, as always, Faith, uh, glad to be here. Uh, two topics for today. Uh, one is the Omicron lineage subvariant, BA2, uh, and a bit of a report card there. And uh, the second will be uh, the Food and Drug Administration's decision to authorize additional boosters, which has prompted a lot of questions uh, and always has from patients. <clears throat> what the Centers for Disease Control announced uh, was that uh, this BA2 subvariant now is a predominant infection, uh, at least in the past week, identified in the United States. And you can see the rapid uh, uptick, which again, this BA2 variant compared to uh, the original Omicron uh, BA11529 or BA11 uh, uh, is rapidly replacing. Uh, and because it is uh, more uh, contagious with uh, R0, that's probably north of eight, uh, this likely will uh, uh, again. Uh, sort of do what Omicron did initially and really replace the Delta variant that you see in orange. <clears throat> now, this variant so far has not seemed to have increased virulence factors. And indeed, the Omicron family, as it were, um, has a number of different mutations, some of which overlap and others um, are independent. And the BA2 especially had a large number of mutations that were unique. So looking at all those mut extra mutations, where does BA2 fall? And Bill Hazeltine, who's a virologist, uh, wrote an article, but had a nice sort of uh, picture that I think sort of captures where we've started with uh, the ancestral strain from Wuhan all the way uh, to now BA2. And in terms of transmissibility, it has been a relentless march that each major uh, variant, which has really replaced the previous one, have all been even more contagious than the one prior. And I don't see any reason for that stopping. Now, in terms of so-called pathogenicity or virulence, um, we didn't see much of a change until Delta, and Delta definitely caused more problems than Alpha um, or uh, the earlier uh, variant and the ancestral strain, whereas uh, BA2, uh, much like Omicron, is, um, seems to be less 
than what we saw with Delta. And of course, it's always a little hard to know because we only ha can look at unimmunized populations and those numbers uh, are decreasing and, and, and still remain one of the major reasons people end up in the hospital is that they're unimmunized or haven't previously had COVID-19. If you're wondering about what's happening in terms of viral evolution, I think this is important as well. But of significance, the NIH has this very handy accumulation of data uh, that's put on an easy to understand graph regarding antibody-based therapies, because obviously those are most affected by changes in the spike protein, which uh, characterizes these different subvariants. So uh, this particular graph, I just toggled on the green. And our recent go-to monoclonal antibody is citrovimab, which you can see uh, falls between 10 to 100-fold uh, less uh, activity against uh, BA2, which means it probably still has some activity, but it may not be optimal, and certainly not in the thousand club, which is why bamlanivimab, etisivimab, and uh, also casarivimab and divimab uh, fell off uh, when Omicron emerged because of its uh, decided lack of in vitro activity and the thought this would not have any clinical impact. Uh, in that case. The other thing I would draw your attention to is that one of the antibodies where you see green dots just centering around one is bebtilavimab, which was recently authorized by the Food and Drug Administration for emergency use, but has very slender clinical data with use as a sole agent. But this monoclonal and, and monoclonals generally have uh, behaved uh, according to their in vitro activity. So um, uh, this now uh, in many states where uh, the BA2 variant is judged to be more than 50% is thought to be the antibody that should be employed. Uh, at Johns Hopkins, we're north of that, although our state again is a little more heterogeneous. So. Uh, whether your state has uh, the numbers sufficient to roll it out, I think does depend on overall state numbers largely. Uh, one last item to mention is that the combination of uh, silgivimab and tixagivimab, uh, which is shown as Evasheld in the top row, is the pre-exposure uh, monoclonal antibody combination that lasts for six months or more. And this has been uh, rolled out starting in December for patients uh, who are severely immunosuppressed and not thought to respond to uh, well to vaccination or who can't get a vaccine. And at least with the BA2 variant, uh, you can see it actually seems to have more activity against this a subvariant compared to the other gray dots, which are uh, the other sublineages, which are uh, sort of grayed out on this uh, uh, visualization of the graph. So <clears throat> whereas the original Omicron was concerned that it may not work very well, now that this is becoming dominant, it may give our patients actually more of an impetus to go and get it if it's appropriate for them, and also a bit more confidence that uh, perhaps this monoclonal antibody will protect them uh, more so than the prior uh, Omicron variants.
The second part uh, is uh, boosters. Now, people have been asking me about an additional booster since the first ones were authorized last summer. Uh, but the Food and Drug Administration has decided yesterday, uh, being uh, March 29th, to authorize a second booster shot for anyone over 50 or those who are uh, uh, significantly immunosuppressed, such as solid organ transplants or those with similar risk levels. Now, this decision, I would say, remains controversial, just as the first booster did. Now, uh, uh, many scientists uh, and uh, uh, public health authorities argued that a booster wasn't needed because two shots worked very well against Delta. But then clearly Omicron came about and uh, sh showed the role that a, a third dose might benefit, meaning the first booster. So, so now booster number two means that patients are either getting a fourth or a fifth dose uh, with patients who are relatively healthy, but over 50 getting dose number four. And this should be at least four months after dose number three. For solid organ transplants or those with similar risks of immunosuppression, they would be getting dose number five because remember, they get three uh, doses as part of their primary series. That first booster dose is three months after the primary series of three shots. But this one, again, is um, the second booster here is, again, similar four months after booster number one. The information about this, uh, of course, the CDC and the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices haven't yet weighed in. And the risk levels in these groups do differ. I mean, someone who's 80 is different than 50. The number of comorbidities. Did you get a booster shot in August or did you get it, you know, uh, just three months ago? What's going on with the circulating variant and what are your community rates? So this debate about benefits, I think, is important. Now, much of the data I think that the FDA has relied upon has come from Israel, which has always been at the forefront of um, using extra doses. And uh, the preliminary data uh, in a letter, uh, and I'm, I'm sorry, this, the uh, references are cut off uh, from here, but there was a letter to the editor uh, in the uh, New England Journal uh, that uh, looked at a, a fourth dose of what's uh, generally Pfizer um, a vaccine that appeared safe. Um, and interestingly, that fourth dose, when studied in healthcare workers, did not raise the levels as much as the third dose. And the thought was, at least in healthier people who were healthcare workers, they could still get Omicron and have a very high viral load. So it didn't even really impact on uh, uh, transmission possibilities. So overall, there wasn't a lot of compelling data to recommend a fourth dose from this series. But then a, a case match control uh, has been uh, available uh, by preprint that uh, had a, only a 10-week follow-up, but they did show protection for those who are 60, than over, 60 and over uh, against severe COVID in the face of Omicron compared to a third dose. And of course, this was just a case match control, but uh, the peak protection seemed to be for three weeks and then waned and waned faster than it did after the third dose data from uh, earlier in the summer uh, when it, you perhaps got about 12 weeks of uh, good protection along those lines. So 
Again, if you're thinking about uh, giving uh, uh, or using a uh, fourth booster dose in, in people that I would say average to increased risk, but not immunosuppressed, um, you can also question whether, you know, what's the right timing for this? Is it better now? And to, uh, to elect whether, um, uh, you know, or suspect, I should say, whether uh, a new variant will cause problems. We know the BA2 subvariant isn't generally worse uh, compared to Omicron. Uh, or, or do you wait until you see a new variant or higher community rates? And, and personally, I feel that I've um, decided myself to, to wait at this time before getting a fourth dose. Um, I would be over 50. I'm 60 right now. Um, I don't have any special risks otherwise. Uh, so that's my decision. But I think this could certainly be individualized. But whether to get a fourth dose now or wait uh, is a complicated issue uh, there. And I think there's mixed data about uh, benefits in, in many of these groups. So Faith, I understand we have a couple of questions. Thank you very much, and I'll move forward with the first learner question here. For the newly authorized second booster, is there any advantage to using a vaccine that was not part of the primary series or the first booster? Well, uh, th these boosters are all mRNA vaccines, Faith, and um, uh, you know there there isn't a lot of data about mix mix and match uh, amongst mRNA vaccines. Uh, there has been some data from the primary series that would suggest the higher um, RNA dose in the Moderna vaccine engenders somewhat higher and longer lasting antibody titers. But I haven't seen anything here that would suggest you should seek one or the other. I've stuck with uh, just uh, getting the Pfizer, the devil you know, as it were. Um, but uh, for people that may have gotten J&J &J, um, or other vaccines, especially if you were abroad and got the uh, AstraZeneca vaccine, we know from the Compavax study uh, that getting an mRNA vaccine after uh, these uh, non-mRNA vaccines certainly enhanced your uh, immune immuno responses. So um, that would be uh, the way to go there. Uh, Absent, though, in this case, was information about people who got J&J. &J, so this may be forthcoming. Thank you. And finally, the CDC statement on isolation states that people who test positive for COVID-19 should isolate for five days. So is five days enough, considering that many people will still test positive on a rapid antigen for around 10 days? Yeah. So this is a, a question which I, I think, especially with Omicron, we don't really know for sure. Uh, the CDC in December elected to shorten first for healthcare workers and then for all uh, the rule to five days because many people were not waiting the full 10 days anyway for isolation. Uh, we do know that maybe 15% or so of people might still have infectious virus after five days and a rapid antigen test is not a bad surrogate uh, because you will only detect higher viral load levels. And so not everybody's non-infectious at five days, but I'd remind you that the CDC does advise that uh, uh, two things. Uh, one is to wear a well-fitting mask uh, once you leave isolation after five days to help you uh, avoid transmission if you fall into this not still infectious group. Uh, 
The other is to not be around high-risk people, if at all possible, um, during those extra five days till you get to day 10. Or, um, you know, you may elect to remain isolated, especially if there is someone in the home who might be at high risk for severe COVID um, until you either test negative um, or for the full 10 days, assuming you're not immunosuppressed. So uh, I think if you're highly concerned, uh, you could still wait the full 10 days. Uh, but this was uh, really a practical measure that I, I view. And so far, it does not seem to have caused problems because at least in the United States, even though BA2 is more contagious, we've not yet seen uh, an upsurge despite the dropping of a lot of mask mandates. So we'll see. BA2 in Europe uh, had substantial number of cases, for example, in UK, Denmark, and Germany, uh, but hospitals have not been that busy. And I, I think that's a combination of people who have had uh, infection-acquired immunity, even if they've not been immunized, and of course, people that have been immunized and boosted, such that they're not uh, severely ill, and that's really what counts. Dr. Alwater, thank you so much for those updates. If you're tuning into our webcast, please click the Claim Credit button in the webinar console to attest for credit. Otherwise, please visit us at covid19.dkbmed.com. Again, thank you for joining us, and thank you for your dedication to your patients with COVID-19. Thanks again, Dr. Alwater. Well, thank you, Faith, and uh, I'm so sure this story will continue some uh, want to evolve, but I, I truly hope that we don't see any major surges down the road.